we know that this power of coming together and talking about values and giving is so hugely important and having teens involved in it is crucial. From the Jewish Teen Funders Network, this is Outside the Sedaka Box, the Jewish teen engagement and philanthropy education podcast. I am your host, Danielle Siegel. Each episode, we will have a conversation with an amazing guest who will share their unique stories and help us explore the broader world of Jewish teen engagement and philanthropy education. I'm delighted to introduce our guest for today's episode. Liz Fisher is Amplifier's CEO. Liz comes to Amplify from Repair the World, where she led the organization's expansion, fundraising, communications, and operations. Liz began her career in grassroots community development in University of Missouri Extension and has worked at Next, a division of Birthright Israel Foundation, the Jewish Federation of St. Louis, UJA Federation of New York, and the Jewish Education Project. Thank you for joining us today, Liz. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. How is your dwelling where you are conducting all your work from right now? It's good. I am working from my home in Brooklyn, New York with my um, husband and two teenagers and dog. So we're, and we're all doing okay. You are the CEO of Amplifier. Can you explain just a little bit about what Amplifier is and what Amplifier does? Amplifier works to ignite, strengthen, and inform giving inspired by Jewish values. We started as an organization focused on creating and sustaining giving circles, uh, and we've expanded a little bit to think about other ways that we can engage people in giving. Giving circles are when groups of people come together and pool their funds and make grants out of them to support organizations and causes that they care about. Uh, And we work both with individuals who want to think about how they can have more charitable giving in their lives and also with organizations that are really working to engage people in giving. What are some preconceived notions about giving and philanthropy? I think the biggest preconceived notion about our work is that philanthropy is only for rich people. We talk often about democratizing philanthropy and how we can get more people really thinking about themselves as givers and philanthropists. Sometimes people say to me, oh, amplifier giving circles, that's just for people who have significant wealth. And we need to help them understand that we have giving circles in our network where people are giving $10 and we have giving circles where people are giving tens of thousands of dollars and everything in between. How did you start? What was the driving force for you to go into this kind of Jewish community work where you are essentially helping other people? Uh, I'm a social worker by training. I've always been really interested in how people can create change. Um, And I've been really particularly interested in how people can come together in groups to do that. And I've done a bunch of different things throughout my career, uh, but it's always been really focused on how people can connect with each other and create the change that they want to see in the world. So I think that's one of the things. I also, from a Jewish perspective, I grew up Jewish in a very small town where I was one of very few Jews. And I was raised in a tight 
Jewish family and Jewish community. And I think there's always been a piece of me that's been both really connected to the Jewish community, but also really thinking about how Jews build relationships outside of Jewish communities, because I grew up really very much a minority in the community that I lived in. How have you found that now living in New York, where the Jewish experience is, is not necessarily the minority? How have you found that switch? It's so different. Uh, and I and my kids in many ways are having a very different upbringing than I had. But I also, I love it. I think that there's the wonderful thing about being Jewish in New York is the amount of choice. You, there's really cultural opportunities, educational opportunities, spiritual opportunities. The, there's just this plethora of things available, which is, is amazing. And I love, I think the hard thing about being Jewish in a in a place with that much choice is sometimes it's harder to find a community. I happen to belong to a synagogue that we love that's very multi-generational and very diverse and we're really happy there. And I think in part because it reminds me of the community I grew up in. But I know that lots of people in New York love that they can pick and choose but don't necessarily have a community that they feel connected with. So you mentioned before about a lot of the work you did involved groups of people coming together. And just now we're talking about New York and community. Our world has been thrown into a feeling of isolation at the moment. So it's hard for groups to come together. How is this online work faring at the moment? And how at Amplifier are you working through the fact that everything now is in virtual spaces? The world definitely has changed. And I think that while the circumstances have changed, people's desires or people's sort of way they want to be in the world hasn't changed. Uh, and one of the things we're trying to do at Amplifier is to reconcile those. So we very quickly brought some of our key programs into virtual spaces. We created tools. For instance, we have a, a program we call a pop-up giving circle, which is an hour and a half long experience for people to come to together, learn about causes and make a grant or several grants. And we very quickly created a set of tools to teach people how to do that virtually, which we've had tremendous interest in. And we ourselves have been doing a lot of online virtual facilitation. I think that it's in some ways, what I've seen personally and professionally is that this moment in time is both really hard because I like to be with people, many of us do, but also amazing because we're together with people that we might not ordinarily see. And so we're seeing that at Amplifier in our programs. I'm seeing that in my personal life, my synagogue, like we're ha I'm having more extended family time, uh, all those kinds of things. So I think there is a nice thing about the virtual of being with people in different places that you might not see. But the hard thing about the virtual, of course, is how to, how to build conversation many of us, I think, are learning new skills about how to do that and how to keep a conversation going when it's just boxes on a screen. You mentioned before about democratizing philanthropy and that anyone can be a philanthropist. How do you see the current COVID-19 pandemic affecting the broad world of philanthropy? There's no question that this current situation has affected philanthropy tremendously in a number of ways. First and foremost, the needs in the community are huge and growing every day, both on very local basis and on a very international basis. I can see from the window where I work from my home, 
church, which has a food pantry. And there are still, even in these times of people not wanting to be outside, there are still people lined up for food. And that is true in every community and growing as people get laid off and lose their jobs or aren't able to work. The current analysis, at least in the American context, is that this epidemic is hitting those people who are most vulnerable harder. That's number one, there's huge need. And we're seeing response to that need from major philanthropy in pretty big ways. So there's major funds that have been established, lots of money going out the door. And many of us believe that this is a moment for foundations, people donor advised funds to really think about what they can do to get money out the door. I think the second thing is that there is a growing nervousness about the economy and that's affecting philanthropists of all levels. People are worried about their own financial circumstances and that's making them concerned about whether to give or not to give. We really believe that this is a time for people at all levels who can to be giving, even if it means giving less than what you might have given before. And I think there's lots of ways to make that less go further. Giving circles and other collaborative ways are a way to make less money go further. So if you were giving $100 and can only give 10 now, then can you find nine other friends who can also give 10 and then you're back at your 100? We're experiencing something very similar in our field as well, because for the teams who would normally be volunteering or they're normally going in person to do their philanthropy programs, they can't, they're at home. And any way that we can mobilize them and help them to realize that whatever little they can give can be multiplied if they have more of them doing it. We had a big event a couple of Sundays ago with BBYO and JServe that the Jewish Teen Funders Network was involved in. And teens were fundraising over a pretty short amount of time and pretty quickly managed to raise nearly $5,000. There were four recipient organizations um, and the teens voted what proportion should go to each of those organizations. It was all teen led, but it really showed the collective power of giving. It was pretty empowering for the teens. I can completely see it's a moment to gather people who maybe were not involved before because it can help amplify your giving power. Because even if you can't give a lot, if you have 10 people who are all giving a little bit, it can make a difference. A hundred percent. And the other piece that's important to remember is that the science tells us that giving makes us feel better. And this is a moment where we all need actionable things we can do to help people and ways to express our gratitude that will also help us feel better. And so whether that's giving money to causes you care about or texting a neighbor that is in need and picking up something for them at the store, there's also very self-interested reasons to do that. So through Amplifier, people make decisions through their values, through their Jewish values. What is the one Jewish value that you could pick that you say guides your giving and guides your, your way of life? That's a hard question, one Jewish value. <laughs> I Today, um, what I would say is, I think it's probably B'Tselem Elohim, this idea that we're all created in the image of God and therefore all deserve dignity guides who I am as a person and guides a lot of what I think about giving. That's what I would say. 
Has your opinion changed at all about teenagers since being in this isolation situation with your teenagers? (laughs) (laughs) I love that question. I mean, in some ways, my opinion about teenagers has been affected by being a parent of teenagers, right? Uh, I don't know if my opinion has changed. What I would say is that teenagers are remarkably resilient. I've really learned a lot from watching my kids go through this. And I don't know if my opinion has changed, but maybe what I would say is sometimes I think of teenagers as a little bit rigid and I think that they are rigid in some ways, but I've been really impressed with how flexible they are and how they've taken on new things and brought new things to the family and are really adapting to very strange circumstances. Are there any skills that you gained from your wealth of experience and your working with different people? Um, Are there any skills that you grab from that that you're finding very useful now when you're stuck at home, whether that is for work or whether it's for working with your family? You know, I I said earlier that I'm trained in social work and I'm trained very much in like strengths-based perspective and which is really focused on thinking either on an individual basis or on a communal basis, what are you good at and how do you really evoke more of that? And that's been really helpful to me, both personally and professionally at this moment in time, right? For Amplifier thinking about, okay, like what can, what do we do well and what are we strong at? What are our communities strong at and how do we emphasize that? And also personally trying to see where are the kernels of strength at a time where people feel pretty vulnerable and, and limited. So I think when I can tune into that perspective, it's been helpful. And that must be very comforting as well. The notion that everyone is good at something. So how can we use that strength to better our situation now and help other people? For sure. And I think most of us are good at many things. And how do we, I would say, as a person leading an organization, the way I think about it also is how do we really tap into that? Because I also believe people work best at their strengths. So how do we tap into that inside our organization, which is also just less exhausting for people? Like, how do we get the people doing the things that they're best at and they can really flourish at? Being part of a giving circle, so much of it is communication and working as a group and coming to consensus and deciding about where you're going to grant your money. But I wonder in these moments now when we can't be physically connected, how is that affecting the the giving circles themselves? We're hearing different things. For circles that have been together for a while, we hear that they've been able to translate some of that to online communication. So, you know, if they're, if they know each other and they have relationships, it's an easier transition to something like Zoom. I think that where it's difficult is for people, we have a number of people who've recently done trainings with us and are trying to start new giving circles. And many of them are making a decision right now about whether to launch virtually or to hold off a few months. And that's difficult because None of us really know what the next weeks or months are going to bring. The world was very different last time we spoke. We were sitting in person in our offices. We were talking about kind of the work that Amplifier has been doing. And I was wondering what interesting things have you got coming up or who have you been working with who has been particularly interesting partner for you, especially now during this time when things have to be changed at the last minute very quickly. So Amplifier is a very proud founding advisory board member and 
consultant on a brand new project called Philanthropy Together, which is a backbone organization of different giving circles across the United States that have come together to really think about how we can learn with and from each other. And we're so excited to be, as, be part of that work. The initial partners in that work include the Latino Community Foundation, an organization called Filanos, which was the Women's Giving Circle Network, an Asian Women's Giving Circle, and an organization called the Community Investment Network, which is a network of giving circles of people of color, mostly African-American. And through that work, we've developed partnerships with many other kinds of organizations. We work pretty closely with the American Muslim Community Foundation through that work, both uh, faith-driven organizations and not. And for us, being part of something broader right now is especially important at a time where so many Americans are vulnerable and where we all need to really work together to think about how we can create change in our communities. We've been involved a little bit in that as well. Yes, we're happy to have you involved Yeah, it's been great. Yeah. Yeah, I would say also, look, I think that one of the things we have always been excited about and even more excited about now is the work that we've done with JTFN. We know that this power of coming together and talking about values and giving is so hugely important and having teens involved in it is crucial, right? It, both for themselves, but also because teens really affect their communities, right? They influence their parents and their teachers and their grandparents and all those folks around them. And so we're always thrilled and happy to do work with JTFN. Are you watching anything good on Netflix? So I'll share two Netflix recommendations. Uh, one, you know, guilty pleasure and one not. And a meaningful Netflix recommendation is I watched this new documentary called Crip Camp, which I highly recommend that people watch. It's about a camp for people with disabilities in the 70s. And it follows that group of people who really go on to pioneer the disabilities rights movement in the United States. And it is funny and heartwarming. And for me at a moment like this, it's really a feel good because it's really about a movement that has been very successful and obviously has work to do, but has been really successful. So I highly recommend that. And then I am one of the many people who has watched the Tiger King documentary. And, oh, it's uh, so good. It's just, and I will also bring out my inner nerd. We um, have been watching Picard, uh, which is not on Netflix, but which is for free on CBS right now because I'm a nerd like that. And it's fun to have a new Star Trek thing to watch. Uh, you know what? I really want to watch all of Star Trek from the beginning and then watch Picard. But I, I have a lot of catching up to do, but I would love to do that and just yes. marathon the whole thing and then watch Picard. <laughs> Both Tiger King and Crip Camp for very different reasons, I recommend. Thank you. Oh, that very diverse watch. Yes. <laughs> That's excellent. So I would like to play a little game with you. Okay. It is called On the Money. You are being tasked with redesigning the dollar bill. I am going to give you the choice of a couple of things, and you have to tell me which one you would like to put on the dollar bill and why. Okay. Okay. Your first choice, which C-deplete item would you put on the dollar bill? I think I would put the green vegetable, that's the car pasta, on the dollar bill because it's really about... 
rebirth and spring. And I believe that if we can like really use our dollars well, we can use them to create that kind of rebirth into, into the world. I love that. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Great. Okay. This your is next hard. Okay. Your next pairing. Who would you put on the dollar bill? Jerry Seinfeld or Larry David? Oh, Larry David, for sure. Why Larry David? <laughs> I just, what? I, um, <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's hard for me to imagine Larry David on the dollar bill, but I think Larry David is, is very funny and we all need a little humor right now. But thank you for playing my little game with You're me. You're welcome. I'm happy to. Thank you so much for You're taking welcome. the time to talk today and sharing about your experience and your work. For those of you who've enjoyed listening today, don't forget to subscribe. We are available on all the platforms where you can listen to your podcasts. Also a little plug for the Jewish Funders Network podcast called What Gives. That is also available wherever you like listening to your podcasts. So Liz, thank you so much for joining. You're welcome. We will see everybody next time. Outside the Sadaka Box is produced by the Jewish Teen Funders Network, the central resource for the network of Jewish teen philanthropy programs in North America and internationally. To find out more, visit our website at jtfn.org. Thank you for listening and look out for our next episode coming soon. Don't forget to subscribe. Until then, bye friends.